Hi guys, the radio show is about to come on, so please join us. It should be a good one. It's a topic very dear to my heart. I always wanted to reach out to atheists, not because I never believed in God, but because I didn't believe God loved me. And I know what it's like to be without God. And I hope that they'll be listening. Bobby wants to say hello. Yes, Bobby does want to say hello. It's going to be an interesting show about science and fate. Apparently they can be combined, not necessarily needs to be exclusive. Tune in. Well, a lot of people argue that science does not go with faith, that the two don't make sense. But today we have a different story. I don't do well with the drama. No, I can't stand it being fake No, 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 no I don't believe in Nirvana But the way that we love in the night gave me life, baby I can't explain that the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feels so holy They say we're too youngin' The pimps and the players say Don't go crushing Wise men say fools rushing But I don't know They say we're too youngin' The pimps and the players say Don't go crushing Wise men say fools rushing The Cure with Amy Cabo. Life can bring many difficult situations. Domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. Welcome, Amy Cabo and The Cure. Good afternoon and welcome to The Cure Radio Show. I'm your host, Amy Cabo, with my amazing partner, Boris. But I deleted amazing, but thank you. <laughs> appreciate it. Our show is available live on your radio, also live through our app, The Cure, on any smartphone, and on our website, godisacure.com, as well as live streaming on social media all over the world. We're broadcasting live from Miami through satellite, available on 35 radio stations among 11 states, and soon after the show, it can be played on any podcast player, as well as next Sunday on Sirius XM, channel 131, the Family Talk Channel. This show deals with suffering, the tenacity of the human spirit, the will to survive, and the courage to keep moving forward, despite any obstacle, with the help of God, who enables us to help each other. We provide testimonials to let people know they're not alone, and as well as experts and inspirational speakers that can help. In this show, the testimony started with me, having been a survivor of child abuse well into young adulthood. I do believe we all suffer somehow, but with the help of God, we can be a source of healing for each other. For me, God was the only cure, but other forms of healing are presented as well to service everyone. Life is challenging, but there's always hope when someone cares. At least God does. The song we played earlier was Holy, 
by Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper. And here's my take. Some of us tend to minimize and become proponents of less is more. The less it is about us, less drama we will feel as constantly others is more rewarding and more real. There will always be all kinds of challenging moments as life always comes up and down. It's okay to be hurt as there's no nirvana until, until we reach heaven. Only God can turn it around. When God holds us, it's truly holy, a transformation difficult to explain, a peace felt within and greater understanding while feeling loved despite any pain. And that's what God can do for us. Allow only what we can handle, almost as if everything life throws at us bounces right off. What would life be like if there was not a God or if we questioned his existence in the name of science? One does not have to exist without the other. And there's such evidence to that fact that a movie was created about it. So today we have Stephen Huff, the executive producer of the movie Against the Tide, which scientifically proves that God exists. Having received degrees in physics from Hampton Sydney College and California Institute of Technology, Steve went on to serve in the intelligence community, followed by establishing his own companies in Unix Systems Integration and Geospatial Imaging. After selling his company, Steve formed the Pensmore Foundation, whose primary focus is on the intersection of science and Christian worldview. After organizing several, after organizing several nationally acclaimed conferences on this topic, the foundation established Pensmore Films to more effectively bring the discussion of the compatibility of science, faith, and human purpose to a global audience. Steve, welcome to The Cure. You're now live. Thank you. Good to be here. Steve, such an interesting topic. Does science contradict religion and faith, or are they not mutually exclusive? They're certainly not mutually exclusive, and that idea is fairly recent. If you look at the history of science, most of the early founders of what we call modern science were, in fact, Christians and saw no conflict at all between their faith and the fact that the universe is ordered. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, because we think that God is a an entity, a personal creator of the universe, uh, and he gave us dominion over the universe, dominion over the earth in, in Genesis. In order to have dominion, you have to be able to study it. In order to manage it, you have to be able to interpret it and make sense out of it in order to be a steward over, over any entity. So it only makes sense from a Christian perspective that the universe should, at least to some large extent, be understandable by man. Well, you know, some people would argue Darwin's theory that it would explain the beginning of life. And so what would you have to say about that, where science clashes with faith, that there is a creator, or that everything just exploded into perfect stuff? <laughs> well, the, those are the areas where I think science has particular difficulty is, is in origin. 
So if you look down here, it really addresses what happens to life after it already exists. So it's, it's the origin of the species after you already have some life existing, and the existing life has to have the ability to, to mutate and then adapt itself to the environment. And I think everybody agrees that, that things do adapt to their environment. It's some degree of you know evolution, if you will, time. Uh, the argument is, is how does that start? And does that, is it even powerful enough to explain all the, the species that exist in the time frame allowed? Now, in Darwin's time, people didn't understand how complex life was. And it's only in, really in recent years that people began to understand the enormous complexity of even a simple cell. Back then, it was looked at as kind of a little blob of yellow, and it kind of makes sense that, uh, given their limited understanding, that Maybe you could take a blob of chemicals and shock it or do something to it. Somehow it would come, come to life. But with the discovery of DNA and the discovery of the, the trillions of cells, that, that each of which has like a miniature factory inside with nanomachines building proteins and uh, shuffling things in and out, it's just an incredibly complex system. And there's really been, and I think most biologists are honest about it, there's there's really no satisfactory scientific explanation of how life got started. So we are stuck. We can talk about the origins of humans. Well, right. So we're stuck with the theory that God created life. Well, I mean, I believe that God created life. So if you uh, now, there, there are all kinds of ways you can look at you know how how long it took and that sort of thing. But you have to understand that if you go back to before you had life, you had to have a universe. And the, the universe is commonly accepted, began in a creation event some, you know, probably 14 billion years ago, roughly. And with that creation event came into being everything that science studies or can study. So mass, energy, but also space and time. With general relativity and with the understanding of the Big Bang currently, you have to realize that space and time themselves came into existence at that point. The God, God Himself, the Creator, is outside of mass, energy, space, and time. Now it's really hard for us to understand what that means because we are time bound. It's hard to physics works with time. You you set up you know how a system is now and you predict using its laws how it will be in the future, how it may have been in the past. But God himself is, is alien to us in that uh, regard. He is outside of time. He's not bound by time. So he, if he creates uh, the universe, he is creating it from outside of all the bounds that we have. Now, it turns out, and this is again commonly recognized by, by every physicist, that the universe is extremely finely tuned to allow life in the first place. If things were at the constants of the universe were off by small amounts, you, you could not have life. Uh, there's a, right. a famous so, uh, so British technologist, Fred Hoy. So, so from what I'm understanding, Steve, it makes more sense that a deity created life than something came out of nothing. Well, yes, but also you have to realize that something came out of nothing, they don't mean nothing. So uh, when a physicist says the universe from nothing, they don't mean nothing the way you and I mean it when we speak in general terms. They mean a quantum vacuum 
in which all the laws of physics are already operating. So there's, you know, I don't know if they still teach in school the fallacy of equivocation, but they subtly change the meaning of words, to, which confuses the public and allows them to sell lots of books. It, it's, you know, very engaging to think of a universe from nothing. But when they say universe from nothing, they mean the beginnings of the universe based on physics as we know it. There was a, a, a very famous uh, scientist, Richard Feynman, probably the top physicist of the second half. Of the well, century. that's why I want to explain and, why integrating science and faith is so important when we return after this short break. Stay with us. We would love to hear from you. How do you see science, separate or as a, or as a part of faith? Call us, 1-866-34-TRUTH. 1-866-34-TRUTH. We will be right back with Amy Cavill and The Cure. Amy Cavill and The Cure. This show deals with suffering, the tenacity of the human spirit, and the courage to keep moving forward with the help of God. I want people to know that there's hope. I was forced into my abortion because I didn't think I had a choice. I want people to know there's choices. Well, Amy, my heart is breaking. I just want you to know that I love you and I thank God for you. Amy Cabo and The Cure. Every Saturday at 1 Eastern on The Truth Network. I'm addicted to the way you hurt, the way you contradict me. I swear everything the worst at night. I think I'm overthinking. I don't care who I'm. I heard along the way I'm f***ing sinking into every word. I don't care if you're lying when I'm drinking. So tell me pretty lies. Love me in my face. Tell me that you love me. Continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back to The Cure with Amy Cabo and thanks for tuning in. Remember that you can listen to the radio show live through our app The Cure with Amy Cabo or later as a podcast, whatever podcasts are. The song that just played was Monsters by Black Bear. I thought I was addicted and I was destined to be hurt. The enemy's misleading, the night can be deafening and darkening. And if we entertain the negativity, we see our spirits slowly fading. So many times it looked attractive, pretty bold, staring at us when life was difficult to face. Those pretty lies that said they loved us, what actually pretty fake. Those monsters, they do come out at night. The ones that have us thinking about the things that bring us down and the actions we will regret that take away our fight. Little did I know that not even medications did I need as long as I chose God. It was truth that ruled my head and life revived within all that had been dead. You keep on rhyming. <laughs> we should probably do a, a poet, a poem or something. We are, talk- 
We're talking to Steve Hawk, showing that God and science are not mutually exclusive. Are or are not? Are not. There you are. Okay. Steve, you have been involved in many projects helping integrate science and faith. Why do you think it's important? I think it's important because it goes back to the essence of who we are. If you look at a lot of the problems that we have in society today, because people look at other people in radically different ways. If you look at your, if you look at your fellows and you say you're a child of God, you have a very different attitude toward them and their worth, and you feel very differently about your own self-worth than if uh, you take the scientific materialist view that you're a bag of whirring atoms that evolve randomly over a few uh, hundred million years to billions of years. And, and that is really a fundamental, such a fundamental point that makes it difficult to, to uh, bind together any society or to have a reasonable conversation. And it, unfortunately, it affects people in, in, in very deep ways. If you were raised in uh, society, say, 200 years ago, where essentially all the leading scientists had no difficulty, then uh, you have a very different view of your own self-worth. Today, if you're raised in a scientific uh, materialism context, which is the, the case for many, many people today, you many people have never darkened the door of a church. All they know about Christianity is what they hear from a popular culture. They think of themselves as basically chemical robots. With, uh, with no soul, with no eternal uh, aspects to them. With, there is no God. There is no value to their life. And that leads to the kind of uh, you know, totalitarian and, and uh, communist abuses that we've seen over the years. So I think it, it's critically important how we see ourselves, how we see our own worth. Uh, yes, this is a broken world. Because the Bible tells us that this, this world is cursed. You know, we walk away from God, or Adam walked away from God. The day will come when we'll be we'll walk more directly with God, but that day is not here yet. Yes, we're living in a broken world, but there is something very special about us: uh, consciousness and, and our, our sense of morality, our sense of, of uh, right and wrong, our sense of wanting to worship God, those are all very real, and they're actually all more fundamental than, than physics itself. I look at physics as being basically God's will, the instantiation of the universe for us to, to live out this current life. But physics does not rule God. God rules physics. Uh, you know, I started to say there's a very famous professor, Feynman, who was, was an atheist, but he talked about physics as discovering the rules of the game. God is the one that makes the rules of the game. Physics cannot explain why there are rules to the game or why those rules are so finely tuned without themselves resorting to sort of fairy tales of multiple possibility of infinite numbers of universes, so we just must happen to be in one that works. Well, that, you know, it's purely a metaphysical statement. You can't test it. It's not science. So I, I think everybody has to ask themselves, what, what really makes the most sense for the kind of world that we see ourselves in the kind of feelings that we have, uh, the, our, our desire to worship, our appreciation of art and music, our sense of right and wrong and morality, is that really explained by random mutations and creatures that adapt themselves better to better to, to their environment? But then what's the point of mathematics? What's the point of a brain that can understand mathematics, much less art or music? 
I wanted to to pick up on on something that you mentioned about uh, totalitarianism. So I'm from Bulgaria. It's an ex-communist country, and uh, religion was forbidden. I remember these times. Atheism was the gold standard, and I watched the movie that you did. You depicted that very well. You know, people were literally going to jail for going to church. And then, why do you think that that was so done that way, so we can? help to totalitarianism why uh, faith is actually fighting it well i think if you if you don't have a a uh, transcending sense of, of what is right and wrong then uh people become their own little gods i mean people yes. want to bend everybody else's will for their own right yes. so if you live in a totalitarian state and you have that power uh you know, power corrupts absolutely, power corrupts absolutely. That's exactly what you see. There are no breaks on it. I think that's what you saw in the totalitarian states. But you also saw that it was very difficult to eradicate faith. And God writes that in our hearts. And as, as Romans says, we may suppress it, but it's still there. It's still going to come up. And so I think, you know, they, they were unsuccessful, but the amount of damage they can do to so many millions of lives uh, it was incredible. And uh, Professor Lennox was was uh, providentially able to visit a number of those places and relay his uh, his story in the film. And it's, a, I think, a very powerful story of what uh, an atheistic viewpoint leads to. Yes. Stephen, why make the movie Against the Tide now? How did you come about that concept? Well, we had uh, we'd started to address this topic through a series of conferences several years ago, and the, 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 the conferences were uh, very engaging to the people that were able to attend, but only small numbers of people can attend conferences. And Professor Lennox is a very engaging person with a compelling life story. Uh, he's, he's been compared to sort of the, the modern-day C.S. Lewis. He has a lot common really the background of C.S. Lewis. And he has, a lot of, he has that Irish charm. <coughs> he's, uh, he's able to relay complex ideas to the public in a very engaging uh, manner. And so we, and he also has debated himself many of these famous atheists, Dawkins and, and, and Hitchens and so on. And so we, we recognized that he had this powerful story to tell. And it was time to tell that story in a way that many more people in the public would be able to benefit from it, and we could capture it and preserve it for the ages. Uh, providentially, about that well, especially time, when he presents represents scientific proof of such a thing, which is everybody's biggest argument. We will talk about that when we return from this break. Stay with us. This is a Love Language Minute. A listener writes, Gary, I'd like to start a marriage discipleship group at our church. Where do I begin? I think you begin by talking to your pastor. Let him know your passion. Let him know your vision. Let him know what you would like to do. I suggest you start very simply. Choose five couples in your church that you think have a fairly good marriage. 
and tell them that you're choosing them because you think they have a healthy marriage and you want to have the experience of leading them through a marriage enrichment program. And then you choose a program. You can choose some from my materials or you can choose from other materials and you take those five through the program. At the end of that, one or two of them will say, hey, we could lead a group like this. You recruit them, you let them lead the next group and then you start another group. Doesn't take long until you're taking really scores and scores of people through a marriage enrichment program. Dr. Gary Chapman is the author of The Five Love Languages. For more answers, visit StartMarriageRight.com. We were cocaine, playing milk and honey. Dysfunctional, I was a junkie. Someday this will all be funny. continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back. And remember, we're live every Saturday at 1 p.m. on your radio, on our app, The Cure, and our website, GodIsTheCure.com. All shows are available also as a video podcast. Just look for The Cure with Amy Cabo, whatever podcasts are. iTunes, baby. Another great song that just played called Save Myself by Ash. We learn from our experiences of which, some, of which some we might find quite funny. Looking back, it was a lot. It seemed to rain, even on days that it was sunny. God saw us through our times of playing milk and honey and worked it out for the good because he saw it, always saw it coming. It's a process in the making. It can be difficult and long, only making us mad. But as we mature and grow, we stop the blame. We give it up, the fame and the shame. We, call, we can save ourselves, certainly money and time, always moving forward with God who strengthens us for his providence is divine. You're doing it on purpose, aren't you? Like rhyming. <laughs> We're talking to Stephen Huff about faith and science. Stephen, we talk about all these things, you know, you're a technical person too. Do you have questions sometimes about faith? Were you raised a Christian? I was raised in a Christian home and in a uh, basically Christian society at that point. Uh, but I had a lot of questions as a young person. I was always very interested in physics and, and uh, you know, even back then, I had a lot of questions about how Christianity could be reconciled. And I didn't find a lot of good answers until much later. 
and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this this film against the tide is to bring this kind of information to you know to younger people today. Uh, the information is out there; you just have to seek it out, uh, and it's. It, be comfortable with the intersection of science and faith does not mean you have to be a scientist or have to have advanced math skills. It's pretty, it's really pretty elementary logic. And uh, Professor Lennox, although he's a mathematician, he won't he won't lead you through a lot of mathematical proof. He said, really, he dissects the basic logic. And uh, it's not that you can prove that there's a God. He said you can you can show a preponderance of the evidence. And you can certainly demonstrate that there is no conflict between science and God. That's what's different today is the claim that science somehow is disproven God, that somehow science has given God nothing to do, that, that science explains everything, that physics explains physics. And that's, that's just simply untrue. Uh, I mean, it's still a lot of book, and there's, uh, there are basic logical fallacies in their arguments. And... Uh, John Lennox is very good at, at explaining that in a very engaging way. I mean, does everything have to have a, uh, an explanation? <laughs> How do we have logic? How do we have a conscience? How do we have the drive to go do good or help others? Where's that coming from? Our strength, our knowledge? Because I swear I say things that come to me for the first time. I'm teaching myself too. So where does all that come from? Uh, you know, it's 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 impossible that there isn't a, a, a creator behind it. The way that there's so many symbiotic relationships in the world, how intricate and and complicated our body systems are and our minds, could this have arrived from nothing? It's almost so perfect. It had to come from someone perfect. <laughs> well, I think that the key, the whole. This whole business of consciousness is is completely unexplained by science. I mean, you can imagine—I don't know how you would get it started in the time allowed—but you can imagine if you if you had a, a robot that was self-replicating and it adapted itself better and better to the environment, it might be better and better at uh, at expanding its lifespan and propagating itself and so on, avoiding its enemies. But how does it become conscious, and what does consciousness even mean? Uh, when I was young, the, the people working in artificial intelligence were very confident that that by two or three decades ago, machines would be would be conscious, would be sentient. In fact, you may remember the movie 2001: Space Odyssey, where yep. in that movie by 1970, computers had become conscious and were basically artificial intelligent, much like a like a human would be. And the argument back then was, well, computers are getting faster all the time. And we know about how many gates are in the human brain, so by a certain date we'll have this much computing power. It'll be equivalent to a human, so somehow consciousness will emerge. But we're no more closer to that now than we were, even though back then, even though computers are massively faster. And so you know, they've, they've kind of given up on that. I mean, we, this whole business of being aware that you are aware is very inexplicable. It's, it's, it's an ineffable phenomenon that, it, that it is built into us build into life that totally defies any kind of scientific explanation. We don't know what it is. To be real science, you have to be able to measure something. You can't measure things like that. Not, not really. There's no consciousness meter that you can flip onto an animal and say, you know, you have 287 units of consciousness. It's just a great mystery. Uh, what you mentioned about our sense in 
our inbuilt sense of wanting to, to worship uh, our appreciation of art and music and literature, what evolutionary value is to that? I, you know, it's very hard. You have, you have to come up with pretty contrived explanations to to, uh, to try to account for that under an evolutionary model. And it, it is, by the way, it's not just Christians that have noted this. Uh, just the scientific problems with it have been noted by honest people for honest science for many years. Fred Hoyle, the famous uh, British cosmologist that discovered the carbon resonance, which allows carbon to be built more easily within stars, which, of course, is necessary for life. He was an atheist, but he was so staggered by what he discovered in terms of the fine-tuning of laws of physics that he, he said it's as if some super-intellect had monkeyed with the laws of physics to allow us to be here. Yes. And that's coming from a, an atheist, but an, an honest atheist. And and that's when it comes to funny. and that's when it comes to science, where people want to measure things and stuff like that. But what does it come? What, when does it come to try to make sense out of things that people could originally believe in God, but then they see so much tragedy, or they experience so much tragedy, they wonder how can a God that love us allow this, and therefore there must be no God. Well, hmm. well, that's a difficult uh, problem. Certainly, it's not so much the scientific problem as a, as a theological issue. Uh, but again, I think if you go back to Genesis, we shouldn't be surprised because in, in the beginning, everything was good. God pronounced everything good, and we we sin. Uh, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. In effect, holding. We wanted to be on our own. We didn't want to live under his dominion. And so the world was cursed. They were cast out of the garden into this uh, you know, naturalistic, uh, entropy-driven uh, world, which there's predation, and we survive now by the sweat of our brow. It's a very different kind of world. So in a sense, we are, we are living out uh, what it's like to live without the immediate presence of God. And I think in, in the life to come, we will again be restored to that relationship and, uh, you know, realize that uh, it's, it's a mistake to want to live without God. It's very necessary I, in some sense that I don't fully understand to go through this period of trauma and testing in order to, to have that understanding. Well, you know, God saw it, saw it coming. I think that's why he put deliver us from evil for us to play, pray daily on the Our Father because he wanted to protect us. And, you know, he never promised us good times. And he said that, you know, you know, for his children, that they will always be protected, that no harm will come to them. It doesn't, I don't think he meant bad things won't happen and that you won't be challenged, but that it won't kill you and that you'll survive it and that it will pass. For his children, if, if you're not with him, then you can go crazy and end up homeless or something worse. I know what it's like to be without God. I think I had to know that so that I can understand how scary it is, how painful it is, and how much I want to reach out to those who have given up on hope. So, Stephen, tell us about the, the places that you traveled for the film Against the Tide. Why did you go to specific places? Were you able to prove that history has a correlation to the point that you're making the movie? 
let's uh, do that after the break. Okay. We, we would love to hear from you. Call us 1-866-34-TRUTH. Do you think science and faith has something to do with each other? 1-866-34-TRUTH. We will be right back with Amy Cavill and The Cure. Amy Cabo and The Cure. This show deals with suffering, the tenacity of the human spirit, and the courage to keep moving forward with the help of God. I want people to know that there's hope. I was forced into my abortion because I didn't think I had a choice. I want people to know there's choices. Well, Amy, my heart is breaking. I just want you to know that I love you and I thank God for you. Amy Cabo and The Cure. Every Saturday at 1 Eastern on The Truth Network. Brian Loritz knows that as a young man, he got a head start in life at home. Because I had an intentional, godly dad who invested heavily in me, that just fast-tracked me in life. And that's the power of an intentional dad. We'll talk about the powerful difference dads make this week on Family Life Today. I've cheated and I've lied, I've broke down and I've cried, I've got nothing to hide no more, I've loved and I've hurt, broken people down with words, more grace than I deserve for sure. Known to be crazy, known to be wild Mama had herself a little devilish child You know, stranger to the troubles at my door I've been at the wrong place at the wrong time Chasing all the wrong things most of my life And every kind of loss that you can't find But I got one thing right Been the kind of guy girls' mamas don't like Running with the wrong crowd on the wrong nights I've been wrong about a million times But I got one thing right You And now we will continue with Amy Cabo and Zakir. Hi, and thanks for tuning in. We're live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern on your radio, on our at The Cure, and on social media. Look for GodIsTheCure.com. Later, the show will be available as a podcast. Just search for The Cure with Amy Cabo, whatever podcasts are. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. The song that just played was One Thing Right by Marshmallow and Kane Brown. I have been all sorts of things and experienced quite a lot. It's helped me to be more understanding and paved a way for helping others. I've broken down to feel more human and realized how much I needed God. Despite how wild and crazy I once was, feared by most and laying low, dodging troubles that showed up constantly at my door. God never gave up on me, even when I did on him. I was lost and mostly wrong, running with the wrong crowds and searching for happiness that could not last. Everything I gained did not work out as I carried a dark cloud, as if I carried a dark cloud, until God brightened the way and I realized his love was real and here to stay. That was the one thing I did right 
as everything soon after fell into place. I handle everything much better. As long as I stay close, I can keep up the pace. Even timing seems on my side, and everything works out as long as I abide. And now from God, I no longer hide. More grace than I can imagine, I have received for sure. It's more than what this world can offer, is that which will endure. We're talking to Stephen Huff about science and faith. We have a guest on the, on, on the line. Let me see if we can... David, you have a question? Uh, I had a comment. Comment. Go ahead. Um, I, yes, sir. I heard someone mention that they were still... It sounded like someone still has a question whether God exists or not. And I, I think we're missing a bigger point here that God was incarnated in a man, and his name is Jesus the Christ. And he existed for roughly 33 years, as we know, in the flesh, before he was crucified and resurrected to be with the Father. And I think that's overlooked. The Lord and Savior of my life is Jesus. And I, be I believe he had me listen to your radio show, which I've never heard to prior to 15 minutes ago. And I'm sitting here in the pickup truck with the, with the wife and the kids. But I believe we, we definitely do not need to overlook the most important thing in our lives is the Creator of mankind is Jesus. If you go to John 1 in the Book of Life, you will see that Jesus is the Word of God. He is the manifested Word of God. There you are. He is God in the flesh. You are so true. So That's what we're trying to prove, that science actually proves that God created all. Thank you, David, from North Carolina. Yes, sir. You're the best. So let's go back to, to Stephen. We were talking about uh, the places that you went for to do the movie. Why did you pick those specific places? Well, we, we began it in Oxford, uh, because that's where John is a professor of mathematics. It's also where C.S. Lewis, at the Eagle and Child, used to with uh, with uh, Tolkien, would discuss their works together, and so. John was also educated at Cambridge, where much of modern science originated. If, if you think back at what, how we got to where we are today in terms of the world of science, the dominant genius in history was Sir Isaac Newton, who uh, you know, invented calculus, discovered the, uh, the laws of motion, set the foundations for thermodynamics and optics, uh, went from basic proportionality to where we could compute the planets and all that. And, and he was at Cambridge where John earned his Ph.D. in mathematics. So it, I think it's appropriate to, as a backdrop for what uh, what science has become to visit those places where it originated. They're very, uh, they're very grand places, and they were once very much dominated by a, uh, a theological view that accepted Christianity. Sir Isaac Newton himself, it's estimated, actually wrote more on religion than he did on, on physics. He looked at the universe as a riddle set by God that, uh, that man could unravel. Uh, we then travel to, this is also the thing I should say, some of the debate talks between Richard Dawkins and uh, Professor Lenning. But we then traveled to, uh, to Israel. It's in line with what the previous caller said. Is I, I can only agree uh, completely. Amen and amen. Uh, the idea that there is uh, that God created the universe is only a small part of it. Uh, God did much more than that. He instantiated himself as Christ, 
uh, at a real time in history, at real places, and and redeemed us. And, and so the second part of the film tells that story. Uh, that John Lennox and Kevin Sorbo visit those areas, and they tell the story of what really happened, and present the evidence. Now, of course, you can't. There are no video cameras back then. You don't have scientific proof in the sense that you have a proof of the Pythagorean theorem or something. But uh, they demonstrate the evidence. They show that we're not talking about uh, Zeus and Mount Olympus. We're talking about real events in history that actually occurred, and that they they are very they are critical to the future of, of all of us, of mankind. That we understand that God, we're not talking about a deist God that created the universe and walked away. We're talking about a God that redeemed us from our sins, that uh, that came to earth and suffered and died. Uh, for our sins and our in our stead, that we might be right with God the Father. The God that can be three beings as as one. When I speak about God, I'm talking about Jesus. They're all one and the same to me: God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I just say God <laughs> in general. <laughs> I'm sure He was first, but um. It's all the same in the one, and I'm thankful for that caller because we must always mention Jesus. He is our salvation. Stephen, how can we see against the tide? We live in a world where faith is not popular, where religion is often questioned, where people fear conversations about religion and science what's the best way to go against the tide <laughs> so you go to the website against the tide dot movie uh, it'll have a list we'll have a list of theaters that are near you get more theaters all the time are signing up there's currently I think something over 500 theaters nationwide that will be showing it will be shown one night only November 19th so get your friends, get your church group, uh, especially young people and parents, uh, go see this film. A uh, world-renowned uh, professor of mathematics at Oxford who's been doing this all his life, debating the leading atheist, will explain in very clear terms why there's nothing to fear. But Religion has nothing to fear. Christianity certainly has nothing to fear from science at all that uh, you know, science is under the domain of God, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that this, this movie is, uh, we feel critically important to provide that vaccination, if you will, against the kind of, uh, of half-truths that uh, young people are exposed to today. That is important. Hey, and, and the way I see it, I mean, I can understand why there's some people that get discouraged and feel like, there isn't a God, but in a world like this world, in a world like today, to live life and to go through circumstances without a God, without someone to turn to, without someone to believe in, without hope, it's really scary. And even if you didn't believe him, would you rather be wrong and say, oh, there's no God, and find out later you were wrong? Or would you rather say, oh, there's a God. We have only a few minutes left. And find out later, you were right. 
this is the end of the show guys so we're gonna close out i know that just in case there's a god i'd rather be right <laughs> yes you are right <laughs> thank you steve Huff, for being on the cure helping us show to our listeners that faith does not exclude science and more information on his movie against the tide can be found on against the tide that movie that movie and also Fate, I mean, science doesn't exclude fate either. <laughs> so we're going to finish with the prayer, guys, as we always do, if I don't hit the microphone again. <laughs> a scientist's prayer. Yeah, we found a nice one. Dear Creator God, today we are seeking to understand more about you and the way you made the world. We know your thoughts are as high, are as high above ours as the heavens are above the earth. Isaiah. 55 9 but we also know you love to fill us with your wisdom when we ask for it James 1 5 we come to you knowing you have all the power and authority Matthew 28 18 it is only when we fear you and place our mind under yours that we can really know anything Proverbs 1 7 Remembering you is also what we need to develop theories and think through how to use the facts we uncover. Proverbs 8.12 Thank you, Jesus, for being the root and foundation of science. John 1-1-4 the, the word equals logos. Thank you for translating God's truth into a language we can understand. John 1.14 John 14.9 Please guide our thoughts and actions to the best way to uncover the truth. Bless us with wisdom to see what natural people would never dream of looking for. Most of all, Lord God, we ask that all we discover may reveal more of your glory. May we recognize in a deeper way your genius orderliness. 1 Corinthians 14.33 And beauty psalm 27 4 for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever matthew amen. 6 13 amen thank you also to our new audio producer beth ann for playing my songs and making the show sound good and thanks to robbie dilmer of kingdom pursuit and the christian guy car guy show for his guidance and of course thank you to our listeners for being with us and bringing more than seventy-one thousand podcast downloads this is Amy Cabo. You have been listening to The Cure. Please check our podcast, The Cure with Amy Cabo, our app, The Cure, or our website, GodIsTheCure.com. Please subscribe to the podcast. The Cure with Amy Cabo. For more information or to get Amy's book, Love is the Answer, God is the Cure, or to listen to the podcasts of previous shows, visit GodIsTheCure.com. <laughs>